listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody, to this week's Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Happy Fourth of July weekend. I hope you are well. I hope you have an opportunity to enjoy time with your family. Because of the holiday, we have a highlights edition of BTG for you, a best of, if you will. We'll replay a couple of previously aired segments as both Zach and myself take a bit of a break this week. So let's get into it, shall we? This first segment aired a few weeks ago on June 14th. Our friend, former co-host Darren Metzger, was in town for a wedding. He joined us here in studio to discuss the injury to Golden State Warriors star Kevin Durant. What does that mean for the Knicks? Should they go after him? Darren and I disagree about what they should do. And there were a number of people wondering who should be to blame for this injury to Durant. Now, things don't necessarily always have to be someone's fault. Sometimes things just happen and it allows God to show his greatness by doing amazing things in our lives through those unfortunate events. Here for you now is that segment from June 14th. Throughout this week, the biggest topic on sports talk radio throughout social media is the injury to Golden State Warriors star Kevin Durant, potential free agent to be Kevin Durant. Seeing one of the very best players in the game, Coming back from an injury, trying to help his team down 3-1 to one at the time in Game 5 and end up hurting himself, man, it was just devastating. Mm-hmm. It was just, don't you always want to see teams going at it with their best guys in big games? Yeah. I wouldn't want for one team or the other to be disadvantaged so that these sort of built-in excuses are there for uninformed fans to run with. They can waste my cell data with their ridiculous <laughs> social media posts. I prefer to know that I beat you with your best or that mm-hmm. you beat me with mine instead of having it in the back of my mind that, you know, could we still have won had the other team had all their pl- players? Could we have uh, won if we had our best players rather than, uh, having to suffer a loss because we didn't have our best. You just don't want that in the back of your mind. Zach here is a Toronto Raptors fan. Probably can't <laughs> name one player on the that. team. Doesn't even follow the NBA, but <laughs> roots for the Raptors. <laughs> Hashtag we the North. <laughs> and before y'all start sending me emails about what a front runner fan he is, just slow down for a second. For those of you who have been following us from the beginning of the program five years ago, Zach declared himself a fan-free agent. He went out on social media, and the Toronto Raptors, you might remember, actually reached out. He held a news conference of sorts right <laughs> here on the air and became a Toronto Raptors fan. But Darren, you and I are both fans of the New York Knicks. Yeah, this hurts. We've been hearing talk about how they were going to sign Durant, probably another max contract star, combine them with this year's number three pick if they decide to keep him, probably R.J. Barrett and Combine them with a pretty good core of young players that they have already, mm-hmm. but they can't do that now. Can they? Can they still sign Kevin Durant? No, I'd still go after Durant. Don't you think the Knicks are in a different spot than, say, the Lakers or Nets, simply because they're the New York Knicks? 
After failing to lure free agent time and time again, being saddled with these huge contracts to players who were one-time greats or one-time at least very solid players, and then they come to the Knicks and they're barely decent, can they really afford, the Knicks that is, to roll the dice on a 32-year-old coming back from an Achilles injury? If you give him a max contract and he's never the same again, isn't that just the same old Knicks saddled with another contract? We all remember Amari Stoudemire, don't we? Post-knee injury. If it was anybody but Durant, I would say I agree with you. But Durant is different. He's special. He can score in any way. Even if he's not as explosive as he used to be, you look at the way he scores. He's still going to be just fine. He's still going to get numbers. He's still going to help you win. And how about the display? of emotions by Warriors GM Bob Myers after Game 5 talking about that injury. Didn't that tell you everything you needed to know about how bad this injury was? Yeah, that was actually disheartening to see. I, I felt bad for everybody involved. I, It hurt me watching it. Yeah, that guy looked like he was at a funeral. Now, the Knicks might want to go out and sign him anyway. I just don't think they can because you knew right then how bad that injury was just based on the emotion from Myers. Durant was cleared to play. So is it the medical staff's fault? Did they pressure him to get back out there too soon? Or was it KD's fault? Was was he maybe not ready? Did he push himself too soon? And you can imagine that as a great athlete, that might be the case. And I suppose with that question comes this, he's taken some criticism for having joined an already loaded team in the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Does the fact that he hobbled out there, a la Kirk Gibson, trying to do all that he can to lead his team, does that change his legacy in any way? Is he now a martyr because maybe he sacrificed his health, possibly even his career, for the good of the team? I don't think so. It's just an athlete doing what an athlete does. And I actually don't really blame anybody in this situation. The athlete wants to play. Of course, the medical staff, their job is to make sure he's healthy. And if they, with all the information they had, made sure he was good to go, and KD said, I feel fine because he knows his body, I'm not blaming anybody. I don't blame. It's fine. It, what happened, happened. Sports, there is a risk of injury every time you take the field, the pitch, the court, whatever. Sometimes things just happen. It's nobody's fault. Kevin Durant felt strong enough to be out there. He's a great athlete. He wanted to do what great athletes do, and that's compete, help his team, leave it all out there on the court. The Warriors medical staff cleared him to play. They did their job. They did nothing wrong as far as we know. There was no reason, as far as we know, to hold him back. Gia Myers did his job. He made the decision based on the info. Everybody did their job. Nobody did anything wrong. It just happened, and it's unfortunate. It reminds me of a biblical account in John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3 said this, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, said, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, one of my favorite preachers, Chuck Smith, used to say that there are those who want to give you reasons why your life is such a mess. They're quick to point out your sin, to tell you the things you're doing wrong. Then he says there are others who he compares to paramedics, interested less in why you're hurting, but more interested in how they can help alleviate the pain. As Christians, we should be more like paramedics. Look, I know many times we make our own problems, 
So many people bring things upon themselves with bad decisions, but other times it's just life. Bad things happen. And there are some who go through more bad things than others do. I can't explain why other than it's just life. It's, it's nobody's fault. We live in a fallen world. But the point is this, people are hurting. And regardless of that reason, we should do what we can to help. God had a purpose in allowing this man in John chapter 9 to be born blind. His blindness allows Jesus to bring the works of God out in front of the people by healing him. And God is at work in our lives whether we realize it or whether we don't. While it may seem like an unfortunate tragedy, it could very well be an opportunity for God to do something magnificent in our lives and be glorified as a result. How do you respond to human difficulty? Remember in the book of Job, Job was a man who had lost everything, lost his family, lost wealth, lost possessions. Friends come to comfort him, and they end up insisting that He's hiding some sin, and that sin was to blame for all his troubles. Those people weren't much comfort. So again, I ask you, how do you respond to hurting people? Are you quick to say that they brought it on themselves or maybe that they deserved it somehow? Or are you like a paramedic that regardless of why they're in the situation, are willing to help them heal? We're not called to root out the cause of suffering. We're called to minister to that person who is suffering. That passage in John 9 continues, verses 4 and 5 say this, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus healed the blind man. Jesus said in the passage that we must work while there is time. But time eventually runs out. Time runs out on the opportunity to tell someone you love them that you're sorry, or that you forgive them. Time runs out on the opportunity to mend a broken relationship. It runs out on the opportunity to tell somebody how they can be saved from an eternity in hell through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in that passage that he is the light of the world, and he healed the blind man so that he could see that light. And we're called to speak the gospel We're called to tell people about Jesus in order to open the eyes of people who are spiritually blind that they too might see the light. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our Christianity should be vibrant, so vibrant that it's impactful, so visible that people see what makes the difference in our lives. God has called us to influence our world to make a difference, to do something to positively impact others for Christ. You know, Jesus came to earth as the ultimate paramedic. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus Christ wants to heal you. Maybe all your problems and all your pain won't immediately go away, but he wants to heal you. He wants to heal you of your biggest problem, and that's what to do about your sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As a result of our sins, we can't be in heaven with a righteous and holy God, But on the cross, Jesus Christ paid the penalty of those sins of you and I. 
He says in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way because he's the only one worthy having never sinned. And yet, though he never sinned, he never earned those wages, which is death. He gave his life anyway on the cross as payment for the sins committed by you and I. How do you get in on God's offer of love and mercy, that free gift of eternal life in heaven with him? He asked just this. He asked that you would admit your sin and seek forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins is only found in Jesus Christ. And the Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pray to God, won't you? Pray to God and admit your sin and guilt. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you, that he was buried and rose again, and ask God to forgive you. Ask him to help you repent from sin. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'll do that today. I hope you give your heart to God. And if we can help in any way, please feel free to let us know. Reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for being with us. Darren, so nice to have you here in the studio as well, along with the original Those Guys, Zach Barletta and Darren Metzger. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game Program. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he's given us new life. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Happy 4th of July weekend. Welcome back in, everybody, to a highlights edition, a best of the Beyond the Game program. This next segment is from June 21st. If you're not familiar with them, Vanderbilt University Athletics have some fans known for their whistling. They're called the Vandy Whistlers, and at the College World Series, which Vanderbilt ultimately won, their whistling was somewhat unwelcome. What do you do when you come across annoying people at a ball game? or somewhere else in life, is it possible that something you do could be annoying to somebody else? Zach and I discuss and bring some perspective from the Word of God. You ever been to a game in person and been sitting in an area where there's a fan being somewhat obnoxious, or at least what you consider to be obnoxious? Oh, yeah. I think if you've been to more than three or four sporting events, and it's almost you have to have been where their fans are being obnoxious. Sometimes what they're doing isn't necessarily against the rules. It's just irritating. It's just annoying. Maybe those zuzus or whatever, those horn-sounding thing at the soccer games, those are annoying, right? I think alcohol always tends to add to the annoyance factor. People tend to be a little bit more inappropriate, use foul language, vulgar language, in fact. I find that 
annoying. The Vanderbilt University Athletic Program has a couple of fans known as the Vandy Whistlers. To Vanderbilt fans, these guys are great. They love them. They're part of the tradition. To other fans around the SEC, well, not quite so much. They aren't really doing anything wrong. They just cheer on their teams and incorporate various whistles as they do it. Not a mechanical device. I'm not talking about a basketball whistle. Naturally, sounding whistle, you know, one you'd produce with your own body, like you're whistling a tune. Vanderbilt made it to this year's College World Series, and one of the Commodore's whistling fans, a guy by the name of Preacher Franklin, has traveled to the World Series to support his team. In fact, the other guy is hoping to be there this weekend. Only his enthusiasm, Franklin's, has not been so well received in Omaha at the stadium for the College World Series. And in fact, it's even drawn national attention this time around. An official with the College World Series has asked him to stop, to stop whistling. Franklin says that he was warned three times by a tournament employee to stop whistling during Vanderbilt's game on this past Sunday, and that if he didn't, he risked being removed from the ballpark, once again, for whistling. This is in response to complaints from other fans watching the game, get this, both in person and on TV. Wow, so they're whistling pretty loud. Yeah, on TV. Apparently, people watching the game at home were so annoyed by the whistling that they called in to complain. Would you ever? Did you even know that this was a thing? First of all, there's nothing the network can do about it. It's not like the with NBC or whatever channel it's on, like they can just go quiet those guys down. Yeah. Also, Preacher Franklin is an awesome name. This sounds like a blues musician that I would <laughs> listen to. I could have called in. All these years and, and complained that I find Marlon's guy annoying and have him removed from view of the camera from behind home plate. Now, Franklin does point out that the stadium lists noise making devices of any kind uh, as prohibited items. Bells, whistles, horns. These are banned items, though, according to Franklin, whistling produced naturally is not specifically listed as being prohibited. The stadium folks, they have a different interpretation, saying that their policy prohibits disruptive noisemaking of any kind. Here's the thing. If you're going to throw these guys out just for whistling, you've got to throw out every drunk guy who yells something. You've got to yell out. You've got to throw out everybody who claps too loud. You know, I just feel like if you start here with the whistling, it's inconsistent if you don't start throwing out a whole bunch of other people. That's true. Franklin said that he had a lawyer friend reach out to him. Incredible, right? Lawyers over whistling. And the lawyer friend told him, go on a whistle. If they throw you out, we'll sue him. And I like Franklin's response. He said, I, I don't know, man. I, I want to watch the game. The guy is 72 years old. He's been at this for 15 years or so. Old habits die hard. He meant to tone it down some to keep the peace, but found, found out he couldn't really help himself a few times, started getting a little excited. At one point during the game, a security guard did come up and give him a warning, at which time reports said that other Vanderbilt fans started whistling too in, in support of Franklin, figuring you can't throw us all out, or maybe they can't. I don't know. It never got to that point. For the most part, he did his best only to whistle at times when Vanderbilt was doing something good in the game. Franklin said he came to a sort of understanding with stadium officials. And for their part, a supervisor said they were happy to work with him, saying, I think our goal was to find a happy medium. And I think we left today feeling like we did. But what's the appropriate protocol here? If I was doing something that annoyed somebody else and they asked me to stop, I'm not talking about going and finding somebody else to come to me. 
if you came to me and said, hey, man, will you stop? I, I think that's, you know, it's just sort of grating on me. I think I'm much more considerate of other people than they are of me. So I, I, I believe I, I'd stop. Of course, everybody thinks that, don't they? But I, I think I'd stop. That said, unless it was rude or inappropriate or foul or vulgar language, that tends to get under my skin in, in public. I, I don't think I would ever ask somebody to stop what they're doing just because I found it annoying. Something like a whistle. Yes, foul language, inappropriate behavior, these sorts of things for sure. I think I just suck it up. I think I just deal with it. I mean, it's a whistle, right? What? Come on. I suppose from a biblical perspective, one reason I would stop if I were asked, because I wouldn't want to be a stumbling block to somebody else. I wouldn't want to be the cause of their anger or the cause of their frustration or the cause of whatever that anger and frustration leads to. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, But take heed, lest by any means that liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. I could be doing something which might seem fairly innocent to me, but it frosted someone else so much that they end up getting in a fight, or they end up getting in an argument, or they end up getting hurt in a fight, or you know, something stupid. Who knows what else? No, I'm not at fault for their reaction or where their anger or frustration over what I'm doing takes them, but I was a bit of a stumbling block to them, and I could have avoided it easily enough by just not doing what these folks found to be doing. Now, there is a point at which point somebody's request becomes absurd, right? I mean, there are things. Oh, stop breathing. You know, the incessant in and out with the air. It's just annoying. Stop breathing. Obviously, that's absurd. Or how about the people that yell at you like, oh, can you go chew somewhere else? I can't stand your chewing. That's the big one for me. We have people in our family that chew with their mouth open. Oh, my God. I think you should legally be allowed to shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> Paul wrote a book to the church in Philippi because they were having problems with people, dealing with people issues. The book of Philippians has a great deal to say about relationships and about dealing with others. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, that we should with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And in verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. If I do that, if I look out for the interests of others, then I should have no problem stopping my whistling or whatever I'm doing that other people are finding annoying or stopping what I'm doing to accommodate somebody else's request. God wants you to consider those irritating, those annoying people in your life as being more important than you. I know that's that's crazy, right? To be truthful when dealing with somebody else, when dealing with an annoying person, when, when, when I find somebody else annoying, I tend to forget that I'm a sinner too. We forget that we're sinners. I focus on someone else's faults. It distracts me from focusing on mine. It's possible, I suppose, that maybe people find something I do to be annoying. It's possible, not likely, but possible. I said a few mo moments ago that it's crazy that God wants you and I to consider the annoying and irritating people in our lives as more important than ourselves, but that's exactly what he did. You know, it's been said that people may sacrifice, people may give up something, even their lives, for a good person, but how much would you really be willing to sacrifice to give up for somebody that you know is just a bad person at heart? When Jesus gave his life on the cross, it was for people with dark hearts. It was for people 
full of sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you get that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our sins, well, they're against God. They're against Christ himself, and yet he died for us. God knew that because of sin, it's not possible for us to be with him in heaven. So regardless of how annoying, regardless of how irritating, regardless of how sinful we are, he made it he made a way for us to be with him. John chapter 15 verse 13 says greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He shed his blood, he laid down his life to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. John chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. His death, as well as his resurrection, makes it possible for us to be forgiven of all our wrongs and to go to heaven if we accept the free gift of salvation which God offers. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way because he's the only one worthy having never sinned. And by the way, he's the only one to ever conquer death, to rise from the grave, proving he's the one true God. He has the power over life and death. The free gift of eternal life in heaven is yours to accept or yours to reject. God offers you his love. He offers you his mercy, but he leaves that choice up to you. If you want to be forgiven of your sins and spend eternity in heaven, then admit to God your sins. Admit to him that you're a sinner. Ask him to forgive you. If you choose to reject his offer, there's nothing you need to do. But know this, there will come a time when that bill will come due. And there's only one place you can spend eternity if you're not spending it in heaven with God. And I hope, I pray that's not the choice you make. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive us of our sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He takes all our sin away. He wipes the slate clean. He takes all the dirt and grime that sin and filth puts on us and wipes it all away, cleanses us from it. Pray to God. I hope you do this. I hope you'd pray to God, admit your sin and your guilt. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, was buried, rose again for you, and ask God to forgive you of your sins and to help you repent to turn away from sin. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you do that today. I hope you don't wait. I hope you give your, God, your heart to God the first chance you get, even right now. And if we can help in any way, feel free to reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks so much for being with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Well, that wraps up this highlights edition of the Beyond the Game program. I hope you've enjoyed it. I want to say happy 4th of July weekend to all of you out there for the vacationing Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold, 
and be great this week, everybody.